Dissecting the 80s is returning to the Philly Podcast Festival. 7 p.m. Saturday, June 23rd at Tattooed Moms on South Street. Celebrating the 30th anniversary of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. We're super thrilled to be uh, returning to the Philly Podcast Festival for the third year in a row. It's a super fun festival. There's... I think almost 60 shows recording live episodes. Go to phillypodfest.com and check that out. Come see us on South Street at Tattooed Moms, June 23rd, 7 p.m. I wanted to let you know about a very cool podcast app for Android users. It's called Podcast Republic. Go to the Google Play Store and download the Podcast Republic app that lets you get all your favorite podcasts directly onto your Android devices. You search for the podcast you want to listen to and you make them your favorites. So you have them all just to click away. So make sure you set Dissecting the 80s as a favorite so you don't miss any episodes. Once again, that is the Podcast Republic app, a new friend of the show. Thank you guys very much. Welcome to Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is my tag team partner, a man who knows that if you're going to pull off a grift... It's helpful if you're as charming as Michael Caine or Steve Martin. The Macho Mandrew. Andrew Leno. And yeah, I mean, it, it would help. But I I feel like you and I would be in the like 2018 Melissa McCarthy style reboot of this movie. <laughs> like where it's like Jonah Hill is the fumbling idiot. <laughs> and he like knocks over a platter of shrimp. You know what I mean? Well, I've got I've got news for you. The reason why we're doing this movie is because the 2018 reboot is happening. It's a gender swapped version with Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson. At the time we're recording this, I'm going to peel back the curtain here. It is May 29th. The movie is scheduled to be out in 32 days. I have seen not- a single advertisement. Nope, not a trailer, not an advertisement. So this is going to be one of the fun things we do on this show where we like build our schedule around the movie releases for a reason and then it doesn't come out and we're just like, well, I guess we're putting it out like Overboard just a month ago (laughs) where we were like, hey, there's a new Overboard movie. We should put out an episode when it comes out and then they move the movie. At least Overboard was only like a couple weeks, right? Yeah, I have no idea what's going on with this. Uh, It's called The Hustle. 2018 no trailer no evidence it's way too late for there not to be a trailer after this so it's almost assuredly getting moved or it must be abysmal and they're trying to hide it which i guess is another option yeah i don't know to me the never i don't want to spoil so we'll get there we'll discuss when we get there yeah you're here in this episode at the end of june regardless of whether that movie came comes out or not so i'm sorry if it didn't tie into a thing that was actually coming but we tried our best and Hollywood screwed us as it so often does. Misshapen gold star, you tired. (laughs) In any case, we watched the 1988 movie Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, so you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your long con. Something's gotta be done about your long con. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. So unlike our previous movie, The Karate Kid, I don't think we need to uh, do like a full-on disclaimer before this one. Although uh 
I this is another movie turning 30 this year that some people probably have beloved memories for. So I guess we should just apologize in front of all of our episodes. But I felt particularly spicy at, during before the last yeah, you episode. Know, you, were, so I, you were particularly spicy. And I will say I did not love this movie like I hoped I would. I was very bummed. Yeah. So getting into it. The Frank movie, Oz directing. And like I love yeah. Frank Oz. We like two, two of his movies uh, inside... Uh, two months for us. We had The Muppets Take Manhattan with him as well. Yeah. So this movie starts with... Uh, My cocaine. <laughs> doing a con at a party. He's like swindling this woman out of her pearls. And I, we'll get into this later. This movie is an hour and 50 minutes, which is well over the comedy threshold to me. Too damn long. It's <laughs> Your too com- damn long. <laughs> Your comedy should never be over an hour 45 to me. And honestly, the closer you get to 90, the better. Just from a pacing standpoint. Real tight 90, please. Th- this is basically two mini movies. Mm-hmm. And so the first movie is about 45, 50 minutes long. And the second movie is about an hour. The first movie, we start off uh, the Pearl Con, this fancy party. And Michael Caine is duping this woman out of her pearls. And then we get this very 1940s feeling uh, Ritzy's score over you know the the, the credits and it's it is the... the worst opening credits I've ever seen because it is a <laughs> static shot of the French it's really Riviera dumb. and literally ninety <laughs> seconds of credits. Yes, and I was like, we're not gonna like show people on the Riviera or show people gambling. Like, there's a lot you can show me right now that isn't one boat in a harbor and a wall. Especially because, like, they go to the poker table. This movie spends a lot of time at a casino, by the way. The same casino set is used multiple times in this movie. It's, I, I don't know if I'd call it a casino so much as it is a large room with a poker table <laughs> at, like a, like a roulette wheel. Yeah, like it's, yeah. It, it feel like it needed more hustle. Like it needed to feel like a casino as opposed to this hotel has one roulette wheel. So I got the impression it was supposed to be like a very exclusive casino type situation. Okay. Like it's only for the super rich and Michael Caine is able to get in there because of his police inspector. Police chief friend is like wiggling him in, you know, past the guest list. Yeah. It felt very much like um, people are going to get upset. But one of the James Bond Daniel Craig movies opens with casino poker. Royale? I think. Yeah, there it is. That's the obvious answer, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Skyfall, you know, the casino movie. The casino one, you know, the one that has casino in it. Anyway, he plays like some high stakes cards and stuff. And it felt like that to me where it's like, it's this secluded, exclusive, high stakes, blah, 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 blah. People, not money. (laughs) I don't know if it goes that far. I hope not. But uh, yeah, it's this very Monte Carlo-esque feel, like vintage-y Monte Carlo Yeah, real Monte Carlo. He pretends to be a prince. And in, from a struggling country, so that this woman will give him her jewels and diamonds, and he has to. He's uh, Michael Caine is so charming. <laughs> Just, I, I found his mustache in this movie incredibly upsetting. It needed to be a little fuller. As yes. someone who's rocking a mustache, yes, it needs to be a fuller mustache. Yes, it was like. He started growing it, and they were like, well, whatever, it's time to film the movie. And it's like, get a little mascara up in that thing or something. It looks like, like he took, someone took an eyeliner pencil and just drew lines on his upper lip. Yes. And they were like, that's good. It's like a 15-year-old boy's mustache. Like, it's just not <laughs> good. And 
And I've seen Michael Caine with a mustache, I'm pretty sure, and it's fine. Like, I don't... I don't know what this mustache is about, also, but it's not his fake, best work. The best, what it should have been, it should have been a fake mustache when he's conning, and a, and no mustache when he's not conning. Yeah, that would have been good too. Um, I would have been fine with that. But he is so charming, and like I will, I would, I would be swindled by Michael Caine. I would too. I feel like it, the movie today would have to be like exclusively emails and phone calls to old people and being like. I oh, just found a picture of I'm Michael Caine. Very, Very good mustache. Very good mustache. This movie is just like, a you bad. Know, you know what that looks like? That looks like Willy Wonka, like thirty yes. years after the movie. Yes. Like he's into he's into weird liquors now, not chocolate. <laughs> right? It's a still from oh, of course it doesn't say the movie. <laughs> no, it's he's I don't know what it's from. Uh, oh, Harry and Walter go to New York. That is so such a British title. <laughs> Harry and Walter well, go to New York. Yes. Anyway, but I feel like you were saying. I'm sorry. Conning today feels very different. Like I'm like they're walking up to strange women and being strangers and being like, "I'm a prince," and they're like, "I'll give you money." I feel like the movie today is just would just be Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson in a room making phone calls to old people, being like, "Hey, it's your grandkid. I know I haven't heard from you in a while, but I'm in some trouble. Can you send me some money?" Yeah, no, that's that is why, how those. That's why the go. movie's not coming out because that's the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this this type of grift in the modern era is like a very low level ten to fifteen dollar grift. It's like. The person in the fatigues that comes up to you at the gas station, they're like, hey, my car ran out of gas. I need some cash like that kind of level, except they're doing it to get like tens and twenties and multiples of thousands of dollars from people. Yeah. So my cocaine goes to do a drop off that never happens again in the movie. So I don't know why it had to happen other than we have to meet Steve Martin. What do, you, what do you mean with the drop-off? So he gets the money. He's like, well, I guess it's time to go to Zurich. And he goes to Zurich to drop off the money and then never does that again in the movie. Oh, I thought that he was taking the train. No, I guess I don't know what I thought. Because um, they get on the train, right? He gets on the train. He goes to Zurich, does the drop-off, then goes back on the train. And that's where he meets Steve Martin. Oh, interesting. I guess, well, Zurich is Switzerland, right? So Swiss bank hiding money is probably is the answer. But Swiss? I thought Zurich I just, was... I said it very confidently. You did. And I, and I was, I was like, like, you said it so confidently that me, 99% sure that Zurich is a town in Germany, was like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Zurich is the largest city in Switzerland. Oh. Look who's dropping geography knowledge on this podcast. I, I'm a victim of the American public school system. So, <laughs> Well, I said it so confidently that I believed it myself, even though I was like, I don't like your brain might know that, but I don't think you know that. Like yeah. your, your you brain was that. like... <laughs> <laughs> I just did one of those like thing, like uh, a beautiful mindy things where my brain was like beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, boop. oh Zurich's in Switzerland duh yeah, and I just like said it and then it... out when Joy is like I'm taking over it's yeah in exactly <laughs> the one firing synapse left in my brain that functions for geography is like I still got one and he hits the override button and it was like Zurich's from Switzerland I'm like where did that come from that was me just tell like, them Zurich is from Switzerland uh um, but so like, yeah, it's this movie to me inter- is okay. Off the, off the bat, I'm just going to say it. My biggest problem with this movie is the pacing. It's very, very slow when it's not. So I'm super bored when I'm not super engaged and it's not a good, like there's no in between. And so the elements where I'm like, Oh, this is kind of cool. Are followed by like, 
way too long, like dragging scenes and like montages that don't need that. It's just, I don't know. To me, it felt like it could have used about a half an hour to 20 minutes to a half an hour trimmed off this movie. Meaning and all from the beginning, I feel like. Like, I the first 45 minutes is so fluffed out to me. I honestly also thought the last 10 minutes could have been cut. Like, they get the, they open the, they get the note from the Jackal and, like, roll credits. Yeah, no, like, we'll talk about that at the end. Save that, because there's all sorts of... I have a um, theory. Okay. Um, and, on, and I felt like Steve Martin looks too old for this role. Yes. Because there's a there's a there's a moment like about ten minutes ahead from where we're talking about right now, where they call him a much younger man or a, a young man, and I'm like, okay, stop. Like, take aside from the fact that Steve Martin has had gray hair since he was twenty and has never looked like a young man in his life because he has a head of fully gray hair. Take that aside. He's forty three in this movie, and Michael Caine's what, like sixty? Fifty five. Oh, I'm sorry, Michael Caine. <laughs> My apologies but, to the Kane estate. I don't. I don't care who you are. There is no unless your family is exclusively made of people that live to be 120. You're not young at 43. No. You are firmly middle aged. I'm. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, I, but th- 43 is not young by any standard. Like at any standard. To me, it needed to be a like Swayze. Like someone in their thirties, still kind of hot. Like so, you believe that that's to me that was clearly should have been Freddie's angle. Was always like, "Hey, look at my abs." Like I would have put like Freddie. Freddie. Oh, oh, oh. Like wait. To me, I thought Freddie should have been like a young hot guy. Okay. For some reason, when you said Freddie, my brain like instantly went to Freddy Krueger, and I was like, "That's not right." What is he talking about? I'm sorry. Hot Freddy (laughs) Krueger. Like I want a sexy Freddy Krueger, and I was like, that sentence has never been uttered. In <laughs> I want Channing before. Tatum to play Freddy Krueger. In a <laughs> yeah, but it's like I want to take his shirt off, and it's like Channing Tatum body, but Freddy Krueger head. <laughs> Ew. Um. Yeah. Like to me, like a like a for, like a in the in this era, I would have picked um Patrick Swayze, but in today's era, I would say like a Channing Tatum, someone with charm and sex appeal. And I I I, I deeply apologize, Steve Martin. You're a funny, charming talented man sex appeal is not something in your wheelhouse from me i I totally agree with you he's not i don't think anyone ever saw steve martin as a sex symbol i think he's attractive enough to pull off a con man role and he's certainly charming all day long which is what you would want out of a con man but it's weird like it's also not like the the hair and makeup on michael kane also makes him look older and less attractive like you mentioned like thinking he was 60 he doesn't look good in this movie and we've watched like jaws four is what 87 86 like it's not it's not significantly different from this and that he's like young and vibrant and handsome and i was like i want to get by michael caine (laughs) jesus i don't like i hashtag sorry mom that's gonna be our new hashtag on the podcast but God damn. I also just called him young in a movie where he was clearly in his 50s, but he's like a youthful looking person in that movie. And in this, he's he looks and very exciting and vibrant. Yeah, he he doesn't look well in this movie because of that. So it's it's definitely kind of an odd. Jesus, I'm still laughing over what you said. It's definitely like just an odd. <laughs> a, a whole thing's issues. weird. So <laughs> on the train, he meets Steve Martin, who is also a con man. And Steve Martin does a low level con where he 
sits down to dinner with this woman and then is like, oh, my God, I can't afford to eat here. And he tells this sob story about his grandmother needing medical bill help and that he's saving his money for that. And so this woman's like, well, I'll buy you dinner. And he immediately pulls over the waiter and orders like, you know, a thousand dollars worth of food on this train. Yeah. Including a chocolate milk with his dinner, like a true psycho. Yeah, that's how you know. And Michael Caine, they keep cutting to Michael Caine. I want to call him Michael Caine. They keep cutting to Michael Caine, like, looking at him being like, I know your game. I'm studying you. Because, like, Khan recognizes Khan, apparently. Yeah. And then they end up in the same compartment, and they're and they're doing the back and forth. And this is the... So, this section of the movie is, like, 20 to 30 minutes long, where they're sort of adversaries for each other, and then they end up kind of begrudgingly working together, and then they're kind of against each other again. And I just feel like this movie is much more interesting if they get on the same team on this train and go from there. See, to me, what I thought it could have, it should have been was cut this woman scene and make it, he sits down with Michael Caine and tries to swindle him. Perfect. And then like this whole, cause then the train compartment scene can happen here in the lunch, in the lunch compartment. And it can be, you know, even if it's, even if it ends with them still adversaries and, and Michael Caine being like, oh, you should definitely not go to Beaumont sur Mer. Like, definitely don't go there. That's garbage for you. Yeah, because that's what ends up happening. Michael Caine tells him not to go to the place that he's going. Then he sneaks away and makes a phone call and has this very attractive woman come on and say she's going to Portofino, Italy. And that's where uh, that's where Michael Caine was trying to convince Steve Martin to go. But I just uh, I just think this would have been much more interesting if they exactly you, you had an even better idea of like, OK, they sit down across the table from each other and quickly Grift recognizes Grift and like, oh, we're both we're both this thing. So like join forces and then like. Yeah, I'm here. I'm on. I'm here for this specific mission of trying to con X Y Z person out of their money, and then the two of them like working together to to accomplish that is much more interesting to interesting to me than what it becomes, which is this like weird mishmashy. They're working together and then against each other and together and against each other, and the two of them have great chemistry. And so I even if they it's do. even if it's just like oh we can't figure out which one of these things we want them to do, like either one is fine. <laughs> Like the movie is fine either way. It should have even. It could have even have bit. Could even have been that you know Steve Martin sits down and like starts to do the routine of like oh I can't afford anything on this menu at these prices but I'm trying to do you know you know get surgery for my and like Michael Caine could have cut him off and been like you're trying to get surgery for your grandmother so you can't afford meals and so you would like me to purchase your meal for you is that right Yeah like, exactly just like. Take the wind out of his sails and be like, I'm better at this than you, you young punk. Yeah. Quote marks young. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you man, 10 years my junior. Now, to be fair, if Michael Caine had called him young to his face, I would have been fine with it. My beef was that another character saw Steve Martin pull up in a car and was like, well, she's with that young man over there. Like, hold on. Time out, movie. And then Steve Martin also referred to himself as the younger, hotter man. But see, that's accurate. Like, that's not an inaccurate statement. It's ridiculous. But he meant it in a way that's like, I'm the young thing in town. I'm like, you're not the young thing in town. <laughs> no, no, certainly not. You are certainly a young not. thing, ger than Michael Caine. Yeah. So Steve Martin opts to stay on the train with a beautiful woman. Michael Caine goes home, and he meets up with his fixer, who's the chief of police in the town. And he's, like, just feeding him all these marks. He's like, all right, there's this woman, and here's her story. I love and the he- chief of police of this, like, the actual chief of police <laughs> yeah, of yeah. this town. Because I assumed that was a con, too. And then, no, he's just the legitimate police chief. And I was like, what happened? Like, 
what goes on in this town? And <laughs> yeah. if this is your relationship with the police chief, why don't you get Martin, Sh- Martin, I'm Martin Short. That would have been interesting. Well, that's because they're in that show together on Netflix right now. Oh, are they? Yeah, Steve Martin and Martin Short. Oh, I like that. Um, like, why can't you get him, like, kicked out of town and banned for life if you're essentially in bed with the police commissioner? Well, he does do that, and then later decides he doesn't want to fight him anymore. And that's why I'm saying, like, the my problem with this movie is the alliance shifts way too much, where it's like they're together and apart and together and apart. It's like, just pick one and do that for the movie. We don't need the flippy floppy. Yeah. And so Michael Caine is like, I won't have this young idiot whippersnapper ruining my cons. So we're going to, they bust Steve Martin for lying about his grandmother's operation to this rich woman. And then they're like, um, when they put him in jail, Michael Caine's like, I mean, I can talk to someone, but how about we just get you the hell out of Dodge and like, you never come back. Like, it's not safe for you here, dude. So they put him on a plane, and he happens to be on a plane with the woman who thinks Michael Caine is a prince that she gave her jewels to. So the jig is back up on Michael Caine. It's a lot of it's a lot of dun duns. Right, and then they you also neglected to mention the part where Steve Martin is shirtless. Oh, I hate speedo, it. And I and like I got no room to talk about anybody's physique. Right, like I am not a person who is. A person other people really find themselves struggling to see shirtless and desperately needing that in their lives. I get where I stand on the spectrum. So stones being cast from the person who has nowhere to stow them. But why is this in the movie? And why? It's not even like he, he has a good physique and I like chest hair. That's cool with me. It's just the idea of Steve Martin in a bathing suit just really weirds <laughs> me out. And I don't know why. But it's it's not that entirely. It's also that he's like like puffing out his chest and doing a thing. And he has like 80s action hero body. Like in the modern era, we've talked about this before, like Every superhero is shredded, like clearly using some sort of supplements. Zero I don't care. Body fat. Yeah. I'm fine with it. Uh, but I'm, I, I, I'll lodge my, there's no way those guys aren't taking some sort of oh, drugs yeah, but to if look it that means, way. If it means Chris Evans' ass looks like that, sign me up. Well, that's fine. Although probably not great for their long-term health prospects. But if you go back to like Harrison Ford... Like, he looked like an in-shape dude, and that's what Steve Martin looks like here. He's in good shape. Like, he's not slovenly or gross-looking. I just, like, he's just very pasty, and, like, he like he didn't tan before doing this at all, so he just looks like a dude from Omaha. That, and, like, nothing wrong with being from Omaha, but I'm just, like, projecting what an Omahaian... Board of Tourism is going to come after us <laughs> so hard. I'm just saying, like, like he's a random ass dude with a regular boring office job who goes to the beach and doesn't have any tan yet. That's like fine, but he's supposed to be like Mr. Sexy in this shot in the movie, so it just countercuts everything. Yeah, I, it, I don't, I don't know why it is in my brain that Steve Martin in a bathing suit makes my body go. Rrr. But. Yeah, if you're going to do Steve Martin in a bathing, bathing suit, he needs to have, like, zinc oxide on his nose and, like, uh, the, the the tanning shield thing. Like, he needs to be ridiculous. He needs to be a he bit. Needs to, he needs to have a farmer's tan already. Right. Or it needs to be a 1910s bathing suit that's, like, bathing dressing, and it's a one-piece, and it's striped. 
yes, no, that right? would be like perfect. Right, like that is a yeah. like that's a Steve Martin bathing suit. Yeah, yeah. I would I would be here for him in a bathing costume. Yeah, bathing I think that would be fun. Bathing yes. costume. So uh, we cut back to Michael Caine at the Riviera estate that he owns. Oh, by the way, he must be very good at this con man thing if he's able to cut all these people into a percentage, even before Steve Martin, and own this palatial estate. Well, yeah, he's clearly been doing it for a while. Um, and this, I wrote the note that this movie feels like it's taking silliness too seriously. And I agree with that. And that's sort of my complaint about the whole thing. It, it never feels like a light, like, if you were like, oh, this movie is Steve Martin and Michael Caine as dueling con artists. I'm like, okay, that's a really cool idea and that sounds funny. But this movie, I don't know what it is. It's just, is. It's not nearly wacky enough. Yeah, and then they, they try and be wacky, like, twice, and it doesn't feel earned, but it also feels like what I want the whole movie to be like, so it's a weird middle ground. Because Steve Martin's ideal usage, to me, is wacky stuff. Yeah, Father I of mean, the Bride. The Jerk. I mean, his whole career is based around being pretty little physical shop. in his comedy. Yeah, and it's not that he's not also a talented. Like he he delivers lines well. He has great timing. I, I don't need you. I don't need to be the one to tell you that Steve Martin is funny. But yeah. it, it, this takes away an important thing with me because there's a bunch of stuff that should be slapsticky and isn't. So like later on when he's conning in the wheelchair, like there should be some funny wheelchair hijinks related to this character, and there aren't really, and it's weird. Yeah, exactly. And it just it feels. I don't know. It feels like they didn't. They never quite dipped all the way into the comedy that I wanted. And that's why this movie is disappointing to me. Yeah. So they do this makeover montage where they're teaching Steve Martin how to be, you know, Mr. Hip and cool. And there's there's two things I want to pull out from it. And obviously you can pull out whatever you'd like as well. But the one is they teach him how to do his hair. And Michael Caine gets a palm full of hair gel in each hand. And it's like... <laughs> into Steve Martin's hair, and it is so gross-looking. Well, Michael Caine says before the montage that, like, I'm gonna beat his ass so bad he's gonna want to leave the Riviera. So, and, like, I was like, oh, this so it's gonna be a montage of, like, ridiculous things. And then there was one ridiculous thing in the montage, and it was the hair gel. Right, and everything else is just, they teach him how to be suave and sophisticated. Wear a suit, how to walk, how to talk. And I will say... That scene where Michael Caine leans against that pole, no one other than maybe Sean Connery in like 1965 has looked so freaking cool just leaning on a stupid column. Maybe I mean, a column specifically. I was going to say, I think that the most sexy leaner would be James Dean. Yeah. All right. That's also fair. But it's not a column. Um, but yeah, there's something that he looks so effort. Like he is cool. Like Michael Caine <laughs> is a hundred years old. And just cooler than I will ever be in my life. All I could think watching this was like, man, he should have played James Bond 15 years before this movie. Like, like at right? least. Like, yeah. Fuck off, Lazen. I, I want Michael Caine. I think they offered it to him and he turned it down. From what, If I recall correctly, I think that's the story. But man, he would have been good. He would have been so good. He really would have. It's this. Well, didn't Liam Neeson turn down? Uh, I've heard that as well. I don't and because I don't, his wife was like, I don't know that I can be married to James Bond. That seems like something I've heard before. I don't. I don't. I've heard that anecdote. I feel like and I not can't remember what people who was a Liam, Liam Neeson feels right. But yeah, like Neeson always feels right. 
I, I don't I don't know if it exists, but there should be a GIF of him doing this lean because it's so perfect. He he, you know, puts all the weight on the one foot and slowly swings the other foot behind and then reaches his hand into his pocket. And he's even putting his hand in his jacket pocket, which generally looks ridiculous and still looks dope as hell. I can't get over this lean. I have so many notes. Michael Kane is the shit. So then they um his test is to like walk around up to this floral arrangement and pour a glass of champagne. And he does it, I guess. And they're like, applauded. You've learned. Yeah, I don't. I, the, the montage doesn't make any sense at all to me because it's literally set up by, oh, we're going to get this guy. And the end of it is, you've done it. You're a successful con man like me. Yeah, it's it, the movie is weird. It just is a little too weird. And I also don't understand why they make him practice being suave, sophisticated con man, because right after this, it's revealed what his role is going to be. And Michael Caine has a series of women stop by the house who he's been running a long con on. And then they're at the point where it's like, oh, let's go get married. And he's like, great. I just need you to meet my brother. And Steve Martin plays like a severely disabled person who is like real, mentally real great treatment of people with a mental disability right he's basically playing like a full-sized child and like banging pots and pans together and he's like aggressively hugging people and tackling them and just Thinks like he's a monkey, really i think yeah it's really not good uh we also get a great glimpse of 80s uh red scare where a woman whispers the word communists <laughs> yes i did like that before they what was his fake name rock for no that's a cheese <laughs> but it is something like that, yes. Um, we'll just say Rook 4, because I can't remember. And he's like, oh, we have to go into the grounds. And he wa- they walk through Jurassic Park to get to where <laughs> Steve Martin's living on the, pa- yeah. on the like palatial estate. Yeah, this place is ridiculous. And then he... So he's grifting this one woman, and then it switches to grifting another woman when they're at the dinner table. Francis and Conroy. Martin- oh, yeah. And Steve Martin has a fork with a cork at the end of it, so he can't stab himself. And it's like, do they not have spoons in France? Like, <laughs> He has a trident and an eye patch. And I was like, hang on. I'm going to need some explanation. <laughs> yeah. For Steve Martin holding a trident and an eye patch. Right, right. But the fork is too pointy. Yes, exactly. So then there's another scare montage where they're in the car together and Michael Caine is driving the car and Steve Martin has like a plastic wheel on the other side and it's just like making noises and stuff. It's just really not great. And I get the bit and it's like, it's fine for what they're attempting to do to scare these women off, but it's just like, oh, kind of a gross way you went about it though, huh? It should have, I feel like it should have been like, he thinks he's a monkey and just Steve Martin act like a monkey because that feels less... I don't know, that feels less problematic than, like, he has the mental state of, a, like, a three-year-old. Yeah, or just, like, he thinks he's Napoleon. Oh, I like that, too. Or whatever, and then Steve Martin gets to have, like, a bunch of stuff to do. Each one should have been a different thing that he, he's like, oh, he thinks he's blah, blah, blah. Exactly, exactly. It's, it, he thinks it's he's a waste. Nero, and he's just like, it's a, <laughs> it's a waste of Steve Martin to be like, you're playing someone who's had a lobotomy, basically. Yeah. Uh, that leads into another immediately after montage, which is Michael Caine explaining how you should spend your money, which is you buy wine that you won't drink, you buy art that you donate, and an enormous garden that is like just of the preposterousest size for a person's garden to be. It's where we find out that Michael Caine is basically the dude version of Dolly Parton in Best Little Whorehouse. 
Like, he only does good things with his money. Yeah, no, he certainly seems to be a con man with a heart of gold, even and, though... Well, we, la- we later learn that all of his uh, cons or his uh, marks... Marks, that's the word. All of his marks are, like, carefully vetted, so it's like, oh, they're terrible people who are rich and and corrupt. Right. So now it becomes time for the challenge. Steve Martin, Michael Caine pays everybody and doesn't pay Steve Martin. And he's like, what the hell? I was such a big part of this. All right, you know what? Let's challenge it. This is a duel now. It's a con off. Like, you do your best con. I'll do my best con. We'll see who wins. This woman. And I went, it's taken 45 minutes to get to the main plot of the movie. That's exactly my problem. Like, it's so long to get to the freaking point. And these two are so talented and clearly work well together, and you waste 45 minutes of my time getting to the part where we get to see them trying to outdo one another, which is the part where it's good. We also for completely forgot the plot point that is major in the end and mentioned once in the beginning of there is a, a con man known as the Jackal, and Michael Caine assumes that it's Steve Martin. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. a single time, and <laughs> okay. never again until the end. Because they do the big reveal. They're like, oh, my God, the jackal. And I was like, I genuinely don't know what they're talking about. And I watched this movie, like, not doing other things. I was watching the movie and taking notes, and I missed it. So I don't know how that was a thing, but I just totally missed this piece. Yeah, it's just, it it needed to be, like... (sighs) It didn't, the movie didn't pay attention enough to the important things that it wanted to make important. Right. And I don't need you to, like, bash me over the head with it, but they each should have had a moment where they thought the other was the jackal. That's... Now we're making this movie better. They should have met <laughs> on the train. It should have been that. It should have called out the grift. Oh, the other one thinks the other one is the jackal. Yeah. Okay, cool. God, that would yeah. be so much better. And it could have been as simple as Michael Caine makes a phone call or a quick has a quick chat with the policeman who's like, hey, I think I think this is it. I think it's the Jackal. I get to go head to head with the Jackal. I'm so excited about this. And Steve Martin like could have even just been muttering him to himself while he's packing his suitcase. Like, oh, Jackal think he's better than me? I'll show the yeah, Jackal. Exactly. And it's, like, it's like, boom, boom, boom. We set this up. Like, why are you making this more difficult? Why are you being so difficult? So I'm actually curious, I've never seen it, but this is a remake of a movie from 1964, and I wonder if that one does a better job explaining that stuff and, like, getting to the heart of it faster. I I don't know that the 1964 original has the same pseudo-female empowerment ending, so... No, I mean, certainly not. I just more meant the two of these dudes playing off each other could have been done much better. I agree. Um, so they're at the casino and Michael Caine is there so next to the woman. A, they spot a woman and they just make her the mark for the competition. Right. Also, this is definitely the same casino that they shot in earlier. Like yeah. they don't even make an attempt to hide it. So the whole going to train Zurich thing is very weird. No, cause Zurich is in the, the, he, the casino was always in the Riviera. I know that, but then like Steve Martin was in Zurich for no reason. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it didn't need to happen. It should have been at the yeah. cafe in the Riviera. You should have right. paid everyone out and been like, I'm going to go treat myself to lunch. And then at lunch, recognize Steve Martin as a con artist. God, we need to write these movies better. <laughs> uh, so Michael Caine wins a lot of money very quickly at roulette because he hits two numbers in a row, which I think is close to mathematically impossible, but pretty a, good for the movie. It's a, a new chance every time. No, I know that, but I'm saying the odds of picking the correct number twice in a row 
is statistically it's 35 to one against. So it's like, I think that would be 35 times 35. If I remember my basic probability and statistics, that's a big number. It is. Um, but the best is his his trick at the casino is to place the same bets as the pretty women he's trying to con, so that they have cute moments of like, oh, I guess are you betting too? Oh, he's coming, <laughs> giggle, giggle. But this woman keeps which bidding. I actually like as a move. Like that's I think it's pretty real great. smart and like like I I have to imagine that's in some kind of garbage monster pickup artist handbook. Oh, I'm I'm certain that that's something that mystery has taught all the stupid idiots he's duped. Then tell her she's fat. <laughs> uh, I believe that uh, the internet is telling me that is 1,444 to 1, by the way. Back-to-back roulette numbers. So not as okay. impossible as I thought. But it's still highly unlikely. Extremely, yes. So while he's there trying to do his like eye flirt with uh, Janet Colgate, the soap queen of America, Steve Martin wheels himself in in full Navy regalia. Where'd he get it? No one knows. No one asks. Where do you get also, a wheelchair? Also, no one knows. No one asked. We've seen that Steve Martin's entire life fits into a very small-sized duffel bag, so it is not as if he had... It's like a the, gym bag. Yeah, he's got that that thing from that a series of unfortunate events show where they have just like a, a giant costume closet at their disposal. <laughs> yes, he does. He's got the big trunk. Um, and he's like, could you place a bet for me, young miss? And like flirts with her, and when he loses, he like wheels away dejectedly. And Michael Caine clearly is, like, scooting over to be like, this asshole. And before he can, she, like, cashes out. She, like, grabs all her chips and runs after him. And Michael Caine's like, son of a bitch. (laughs) There is one little moment of the nice physical comedy I would expect from Steve Martin. When he's trying to wheel up the table, he keeps running over people's feet. And everyone Mm -hmm. is like, whoa, whoa." It's good. Like, it's exactly the little stupid kind of... you can't see Steve Martin. You just see the people jumping. Yes. And then when he leaves, he runs over a bunch of feet again, too. And it's like a nice callback to that joke. Of, it's just the one of the few glimmers of it. So um, they go off, Janet Colgate and uh, Steve Martin. And Steve Martin reveals that his wife cheated on him with the host of a dance show in America. So he's emotional. It's a very ridiculous story. I was like... Yeah, I guess it's a pre-internet era, so you can't just Google, like, that time the host, like, that time Ryan Seacrest fucked one of the American Idol contestants' wives, like... Well, to be fair, that might not be public knowledge. Like, Ryan Seacrest could presumably have many relationships with many people that we don't know about. I guess, but, like, you can't, like, Google, like, oh, that episode where this happened. Um, (laughs) Yes, although I'm... (laughs) I don't think... (laughs) No, but, like, the episode... I don't think the tragic... I meant where he won. I didn't mean where okay. he won. Okay, okay. Because I was like, I'm pretty sure Steve Martin implied they went home together. Not that they had sex during the television program taping. Um, no, because he says, like, we won the show, and then we got separated. And after we got separated, he she boned the, the host. And I was like, but, like, shouldn't everyone know who, like, theoretically... I mean, that's, granted, as I'm speaking this, I couldn't tell you who won American Idol after kelly clarkson and i think she was season two or one i think carrie underwood was one too maybe yeah ruben stuttered clay aiken wait ruben won no he lost he lost to clay aiken yeah i think i think uh we we also have that old guy who does broadway now oh yeah steve martin here yeah i thought it was like taylor oh you know what it is taylor i lied it's taylor hicks taylor Taylor Hicks. hicks yeah there we go 
Um, we saw we saw an idle person on Broadway. She was lovely, but like I, I, I was about to be like, you would know who won, and I was like, I don't I don't know anyone. <laughs> yeah, I think idle, you're so. giving a, some people would know. Some yeah. people right now are furiously tweeting at our our inconsistencies with American Idol winner knowledge. Um, she was not the first winner of American Idol. That that title goes to. <laughs> Save your breath, nerds. <laughs> Side note, we're very mean to people who spend, like, a lot of time out of their lives to listen to us yammer on about bullshit. Just for the record. I know. <laughs> just just, just making it clear that we just acknowledge the situation. appreciate you listening, it's but, like, like don't, tweet, don't at me about who won American Idol, because I don't care. <laughs> I just want to point it out. There's like someone might be a little miffed out there. Last week, last last episode, we came for the milk drinkers. Got <laughs> and so no many one angry. Said anything? They're too so, busy drinking their milk and being mucusy. So many, so many tweets from the dairy farmer board. <laughs> the Got Milk campaign people canceled our ad campaign. Yeah, they were coming for us. So he tells tells her the story, and she's and then he sees people dancing and starts like. Here's another prime example. He sees people dancing and starts wailing and screaming. And it's very, um, is it Eddie Murphy in Coming to America where he screams why on his knees? Yeah. No, isn't that, um. Trading Places? Yeah. Like, it, it feels like it, sh- like, Trading Places. This movie should have been like Trading Places where, like, it's heightened and sticky, But yeah. also, like, there's a story through line that makes sense. But also, it gets much more interesting when the two people work together. Yes. Just like, like this movie should have been more like Trading Places. That's what I just said. I was agreeing with you. I was disagreeing. And so he, like, wails about his people are dancing and he can't look at them because it upsets him because he's emotionally paralyzed, not physically paralyzed. Which is a very interesting way they get around the, the solvability of this problem of him in a wheelchair. Yeah. Knock the wheelchair over and watch him get up. Right. Um, side note, don't do that to people in wheelchairs. They're probably not lying about it. <laughs> they're almost assuredly not lying <laughs> they're about 99% it. They're 99% not lying I would like to revise. It. They are unlikely to be lying about it. <laughs> yeah, 99% not lying. And so we see the police inspector writing notes. And uh, I I guess he made up a doctor because he was like, oh, Nell Schuffman? Schuff- Schuffhausen. Schuffhausen is the only one who can help me and his fee is too expensive. So she goes to write a letter to him and Michael Caine is so goddamn suave that he knows that this is happening because of the police inspector. And so he's like, hey, Bellhop, when you see this pretty lady, I want you to shout this name as though you have a telegram for me. And she meets, so she meets who she thinks is the doctor she just wrote a letter to. And it's like, you have to come see my friend. And I think Michael Caine is perfect at like, saying no enough times that it doesn't feel like he wanted this all along. Right. Like every time he says, he's like, no, I couldn't possibly do that. You have to understand. And then people keep begging and it's like, let them do it twice and then give them what they want. No, it's, it's excellent. We also, I just real tiny little thing to point out. Cause it is very good. The point where Michael Caine wins the two roulette pulls in a row, row which is like very uh, ridiculous. Uh, he makes eye contact with the police inspector and they both have this like little shruggy face of like, I don't know, roll with it, which I really like. It's it's one of the best moments that police inspector character gets in the whole movie where he's like, I don't know. You just want a boatload of cash. Maybe send a little my way. 
Maybe donate to the Brotherhood of Fraternal Police or whatever it's called. For exactly. Calendar. We also uh, haven't mentioned that Janet Colgate is Glenna Headley. Is that how you yeah, say it? I think so. She uh, unfortunately died last year. I didn't know that. I saw that too. Because I, it's I'm lame. I only I know her from a Lindsay Lohan movie, like from <laughs> 15 years ago. I actually really liked her in the Hulu series Future Man. Like the series is just okay. Wait, she's in Future Man. Yeah, she she's the the Josh Hutcherson's mom, and her husband in the show is is our pal Ed Begley Jr. Careful what we say. He will come back again. <laughs> lawyers will not let up <laughs> i actually really like ed bagley on that show i think he's wonderful in it like it's perfect ed bagley jr i'm not even i'm not even saying the that. 80s think ed bagley jr is a very competent actor and a very handsome gentleman <laughs> what, what you can't see at home is the the, the gunman in <laughs> the my red, in my room the red dot on my forehead yeah exactly no genuinely no bullshit he's very good on that show i think he's really good like i think as we said before ed bagley jr has has a he's has talented in a narrow window and this show is perfectly in that wheelhouse i i was gonna say i don't think i want to see ed begley jr playing like uh you know king lear but i kind of want to see ed begley jr play king i wouldn't be mad about that i wouldn't be mad about that should he play romeo no (laughs) unless it's a very very different interpretation of that movie actually no I'm totally here for, like, everyone else in the cast is age-appropriate except Ed Begley Jr., and nobody acknowledges it. No, because Juliet is 16. Okay, well, we gotta make Juliet an adult. Because, like, no, but, no, well, no. Juliet's 13. Juliet's fucking 13 in that okay, play. Okay, but I want... forget that. I, I, I want Ed Begley Jr. playing a 13-year-old boy with absolutely no commentary on the fact that he's clearly, like, 80 or 70 or whatever. I'm here for the joke of that. Yeah, yeah. Like, the punchline, I'm here for. I don't need to see it, actually. Like, can you imagine watch. if... I Can you... Yes. Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? And then Egg Begley Jr. Bagels, bagels, bagels. Wherefore yeah. art thou bagels? Yeah, I'm here for that. I would like to see hashtag Ed Begley Jr. for Romeo. Well, apparently, a friend of mine that I work with in theater told me about Lobster Hamlet. And okay. he's never been able to find a video of it. But it's it's a production of Hamlet where it's a, an actual live lobster on a skateboard that they wheel out and everyone else plays the scene honestly as though he is speaking. And like Do, do they do the lines via voiceover or no, something? No, there's no lines. Hamlet's all of Hamlet's lines aren't spoken. They just react as though this lobster is talking. I would be very, very much here for Lobster Hamlet. I want to see it so bad. Ah, <laughs> uh, that sounds very funny. I, yeah, I'm like, I, I, I don't know why we just decided to talk about Shakespeare for 20 minutes in the middle of this episode. But I like there's Shakespeare. A, there's a Shakespeare group with the Maryland Renaissance Festival who does all of it as wrestling matches, and oh, I think that's brilliant. Here I, for this. Yeah, I think it's really, really brilliant. Are there like three matches going at the same? There are five matches going at the same time in Midsummer. I own like these are the two. These are the four mortals. These are these people. These are these people. I think they avoid. I think they avoid Midsummer Night's Dream. I would guess, Uh, but I only saw about ten minutes. So it was like I didn't know it was a thing when we went to the Renaissance Fair, and then I caught like the last ten minutes of a performance and not the whole thing. So I only saw very. That is Mercutio's music. Yeah, exactly. It writes itself. It writes itself. 
I'm I'm super down for that. Yeah, I would be. I, I would I would totally go just to see that. So uh, anyway, back to this movie. <laughs> yes, we're very sorry for the Shakespearean interlude. I'm not. I never apologize. Um, so Janet Colgate comes up and is like, Steve Martin, you'll never guess what I found. It's the doctor. And he's like, oh, no. And my cocaine's like, oh, yes. And he's like, I have, I want to test him and see if he's worthy to be a patient. And he takes a metal flower that I didn't know were like a thing. Yeah. Out of a vase and starts caning Steve Martin's legs. This is one of the most genuinely funny parts of the whole movie. And it's because Michael Caine and Steve Martin really know how to milk this. Although there's one part of it that I was left myself scratching my head for. And no shame for Mr. Mr. Kane. He was 55 when they made this movie. But at one point he like gets a running start to hit him. And he does not look like he's moving very quickly. And the camera does nothing to hide it. And it was it's like Charles Bronson all over again. It's like, why is this taking the movie? Like you could have started with his back and then cut to the, the follow through of the hit and it would have been fine. And instead we get these like plodding old man steps. Like he's trying to so hustle. Petrillo. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Um, like and he's trying to make the early bird a- special, you know, he's like running <laughs> for the door and it's like, it's 459. Um, I thought he was like, oh, I'm going to test his reflexes and ruin his whole scam. Yeah. Like, oh, it's okay. I'm going to tap, 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 tap. Oh, I hit you in the reflex knee or whatever, whatever we call that. But no, instead he just like canes. I almost said canes Michael Caine. He canes <laughs> Steve Martin. And it's, again, paced in a way that suggests something like Fifty Shades of Grey, but acted in a way that suggests, like, you know, John Candy. It's yeah, I, very disjointed, I found. It is. And, like, the, the real key of the whole scene is at the end where he just, like, keeps hitting Steve Martin while he's talking to the uh, Mrs. Colgate, Janet Colgate. Um, he's, like, full on crying and... She turns to him and is like, oh, look, he's crying tears of joy. And it's Steve Martin looking like death with tears rolling down his face. And it's like, this is the That's jokes funny. I wanted. This is what I, this is who I thought I was getting in this movie. Yeah. Um, so I also really love this scene goes right to they're like, all right, we're going to take you to my palatial estate and we're going to look over. I'm going to take him with me for examination and for treatment and stuff. And. Uh, Janet Colgate is like, okay, great. So they go down to the car together and Michael King gets in the front seat. And instead of giving the, the person who she believes is crippled the front seat, they throw him in the back seat. Like he's a bag of yams and his legs are like sticking out of the car. It's so good. It was like, wait, isn't she supposed to be this like kind, sweet soul? What is happening right now? Or are they teasing? Yeah. Hmm. Um, and then the woman who marries cousin it in the Adams family movies appears. <laughs> is that really who that is? Yeah, that's what I know. Her. Oh her. yeah, it totally was that actress. She's yeah, from you're other things. A hundred percent. I just couldn't name one of them. <laughs> she, the she's Adams a family. she's a pretty well known character actress. She's I feel prolific. like she's in a lot of kids stuff. She's been in a couple things we've done. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I can't look her up because I don't have internet right now. Um. But she comes out and she's like, "Your Highness," and she bows to what's it to to Michael Caine, and he like he's like, "Oh, you here? Meet these people." And she like is like, 
why aren't you off defending your country from the freedom fighters or whatever? And he's like, oh, don't worry. I will. You you run along now. And I was like, oh, because he's claiming to be a therapist, he's just going to say everyone's one of his patients and they're all crazy. And that's exactly what he does. Yeah, it's really, really a solid little thing he ends up doing there. Uh, the actress's name is Dana Ivy, by the way. The Color Purple, The Adams Family, as you just said. Uh, the Help, apparently, very recently. Oh. Well, apparently The Help came out in 2011, so I need to reevaluate my life. <laughs> Check out the 80s, because I think she was in something we did. Okay, I will keep doing that while we continue talking here. Um, so they bring him inside. Michael Caine is like, oh, hey, uh, Butler, take him to the guest house. Hey, Janet Colgate, let's look at my beautiful palatial estate. And they're walking all around. They're going upstairs. And Steve Martin's like, I would like to go upstairs. And Michael Caine's like, well, there's stairs. So get up and walk, you lazy turd. And I, I like forgot that he said he was emotionally crippled. I did, too. Because I was like, oh, oh, right. The therapist. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, and she's like, are you sure that's kind? And he's like, oh, he's also doing a German accent at this point. Michael Caine is the man of a thousand accents in this movie. Um He's like, we have to pretend, I have to like make him, make him see the light of day. So they go upstairs to a music room and start dancing. And Steve Martin like opens the door. He's like army crawled his way there. Like whatever happened to baby Jane? This is the best scene in the whole movie. It's so good. And Michael Caine literally just walks over and shuts the door in his face. And he's like, he'll learn better this way. And meanwhile, Steve Martin is in the hallway making whale sounds like, (laughs) it's so funny. It's, I was, I got like a very legit laugh from this scene. The sequence is very good. I guess Janet Colgate came back the next day and she and Michael Caine are having breakfast for some reason when the butler comes in with a letter from Steve Martin that's like, I'm going to end it all. Please make sure that my mother, my grandmother gets my insurance money. And then... Janet's horrified, and they look around, and they see him just, like, dejectedly wheeling himself around the pool. Yes. Like Char- like, a, like a sad, sad Charlie Brown. And he goes over to the staircase, and he looks at it, and he's like, oh, boy. <laughs> and he throws himself down the staircase, and when he makes the corner, he just gets up and starts running down the stairs, screaming, carrying yeah. the wheelchair. Yeah, it's very good. But I thought we were going to get like a uh, your favorite. Re- I swear, Goldberg. I can't believe I'm making this reference and not you. But yes, I thought we were going to get like Goldberg down the stairs like Mighty Ducks 2 of like, whoa. It's been a long time since I made that reference. I've been too busy making <laughs> she's all that references. <laughs> like I, t- so I totally was expecting me. this. <laughs> I was expecting this to be very big and broad and not wasn't really that. No, because. But I do. It feels unearned, but also it feels like what I want the movie to be. So it's at a weird middle spot. Right. I also really like the the bit where he's like crawling in the sand as he's going to like crawl to his drowning Into, death. He's like one of those turtles, those baby yes. turtles that get bored. Yes. And he she stands in his way and he's like, move. I can't crawl around you. The sand is too hot. And it's just like this. Vi- like there's little flashes of what this movie should be throughout it, but it's not like all the way there. It's not consistent. So he like pours his heart out to, to Glenn Headley, uh, Glenna Headley and is like, I'll never kiss anyone again. Uh, wh- like what am what, what was me? What am I going to do? And he's laying on his back and the camera shot is like up his nose it's the least flattering angle. It's very weird. It's so, it, like, no one looks good from this angle at all, but it's, like, almost up his nostril. 
It is. And then Michael Caine shows up and he's like, you know what? I, I can't take on this patient if you're going to enable him, Janet Colgate. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I, I won't do it again. Please keep him as a patient. And he's like, fine, but we need a doing stuff montage. <laughs> it's time for having some fun time. So they go, they play tennis and they hit Steve Martin with a tennis ball and they go dancing. I also love the part where they're riding horses and Steve Martin is wheeling <laughs> stuff along the horse trail. I also a really good moment. They had like tied him to the back of one of the horses. Yes, that would have been a good moment too. Like Michael Caine would be like, it's fine. It's a good idea. So then they're at a bar and he's dancing with Michael Caine is dancing with her and is like, well, why don't you get up out of the chair and dance, you worthless cripple? And behind Steve Martin are these two guys in Navy uniforms. And I'm like, oh, this is about to get really fun because these two guys are not happy about what they're seeing. And so I thought it was going to get gay for a second because of Navy and the whole like the village people. Right on, right on. So I was like, oh, no, is this going to get gay? And I'm going to like this movie is going to go from like mediocre to bad for me. (laughs) Thankfully, it doesn't. But instead, they're just like, nobody messes with our people. What do you want us to do to him? You want to put him on a plane? And then Steve Martin's like, absolutely, I do. So they make plans to kidnap Michael Caine. Um, So they drive home at the end of the night. and, And this is when Michael Caine finds out that Janet Colgate... The title Soap Queen of America is a pageant title, and she only has, like, $1,000. Yeah. So she's been, like, trying to raise the money, the $50,000, for the contest that I don't know that we specified earlier. Um, And he's, like, he feels bad because he's, like, I only steal. I'm Robin Hood. I steal from the rich and give to the me. Right. Uh, uh, The $50,000 is to pay for Steve Martin's treatment. Yes, but it was also the bet that they made. Whoever could get $50,000 right. out of her first. Yeah. Um, so they drive home and uh, it turns into a sex bet instead because I but hate it, everything. You know, and it's weird, too, because Michael Caine's character won't participate. Yeah. So I don't know. How is this a bet? Like, well, he says like, you try and bet her and I'm going to try and stop you. Yeah, basically. He's like, I don't think you can do it, so I'll take the bet, but I'm not going to try to have sex with this woman. Which is, we- like, it was weird. Like, it, it it felt like a scene from reshoots. Yes, it really did. Where, like, the bet probably went one way, and then people were like, that's pretty disgusting. I'm giving audiences in the 80s a lot of credit here, perhaps. <laughs> but, like, Too hey... probably. Like, hey, women are not objects to be vied upon. Yeah, I'm sure the 80s thought that real hard. <laughs> but it's weird. Like, it's not the tone you would expect for this movie. No, it, it comes completely out of left field. You know what it was? I bet it was this other very logical thought I'm having is equally logical with the one that I just said, which is a studio executive was like, no, no, no. Michael Caine is too much older than the female co-star for that to be realistic. So we can't have that. <laughs> yeah, 100%. That's... Hollywood always has those thoughts. But yeah, no, I agree with you. It's really super gross. They're like, okay, instead of trying to take her money, we'll just try to have sex with her and we'll bet on that. It sucks. It should have just been like whoever she wants to spend more time with at the end of the trip. Like, it should have been like, oh, who can spend the most time with her? And like, they're like, they have like a stopwatch. Yeah, that would also be funny. I'll even give you, we're tricking her into falling in love with us, which makes them terrible, horrible people. But, hey, by the way, the title of this movie is Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I don't know if you know that. So, like, it would be fine if it was, like, 
the nebulous like, oh, whoever she decides to to stay with at the end of this whoever trip is she the gives winner. True love's kiss. Yes, exactly. And there's a rose petal suddenly. It's <laughs> yeah, a whole thing. The, the rose no, petal I, and an octopus witch. It's very yeah. weird. A magic lamp falls down. But I just I just feel like it's less like overtly disgusting if it's like I'm trying to win her affection versus like I'm explicitly going to have sex with her. It's it's gross. Right, so I agree. They get to the house and there is a van full of navy men, which like sounds like a Friday night to me. And <laughs> <laughs> thank you, that was a good joke. Um, they're like, you got to go see the captain in the back of the van, and Michael Caine isn't instantly like, no, you're on my property, get out. Right. So he goes to the back and they pull him in and they drive away. And so Steve Martin goes back to see Janet Colgate. And he's like, I think I can walk because of you. And he, like, gets up out of the chair miraculously. And she loses her goddamn mind over this. Yes. And then he's like, go stand next to the bed. You know what it is? This movie didn't have, like, a comedy soundtrack. Like, there was no, like... the It or- doesn't. The, the score is not is not comedy to me. Yeah, no, and that's that really... really annoys me. Yeah, hitting the nail on the head there. It didn't hit me until I was talking about this scene. When he's like, go stand by the bed. And she stands in the doorway. He's like, no, no, further back in the bedroom. And she takes like two steps. And he's like, no, all the way next to the bed. And I was like, I was like, it's disgusting because I know what you're trying to accomplish. But like, this should have comedic tone to it. Yes, agreed. So he runs in the room and he hugs her and kisses her and they fall on the bed. And he's like, it's your love that did it. And all of a sudden, my cocaine goes, oh, love. And I was like, wait a minute, what? Him in the corner as a Bond villain here is amazing. That's what I, I want to see Michael Caine as a Bond villain now. Old Michael Caine could still be the Bond villain. That's what I mean. Michael Caine and Steve Martin leave the room and there's a party of Navy sailors, which again, sounds like my Friday night, but they're like, it sounds like they're angry with Steve Martin for lying about- so, but then they like are all drunk and having fun and like dancing. And I was like, what am I supposed to think is about to happen here? Oh, no, I th- explicitly thought this was like Michael Caine was like, because Michael Caine reveals he was a sailor or is a sailor, reserve sailor, whatever the t- title is. I, my impression was Michael Caine was like, oh, no, no, this dude tricked you. He actually can walk and he is also impersonating a naval officer. Come back to my house. We'll throw a party and then I'll give him to you. No, at the hotel. Okay, whatever. Come to the hotel, have a party on my dime, and I'll give this guy to you. But, like, it didn't seem menacing enough. Oh, I thought those dudes dudes were going to beat the piss out of Steve Martin. They, like, come out all big shoulders and angry faces. To me, but I don't know. It was sort of like, oh, this guy. Oh, he can walk. <laughs> hey. And I was like, I know you might be drunk, but, like, I need to see more anger. Well, it's all for naught anyway, because it goes... It gets flipped on its head, and the joke becomes Steve Martin, like, smiled his way through it and got him over to his side. Yeah, so Michael Caine puts Janet Colgate on a plane and sends her away. And I was like, there's 20 minutes left in the movie. What is happening? Yeah. So This is Steve- one of... This is this movie has as many false endings as Lord of the Rings, and by the way. And Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, because, like, or this Dark is the Knight. first... This is the first false ending. Um... Steve Martin runs up to her old room because he doesn't believe that she left. Like, right. Don't sure. get her. Yeah. Um, and then he hears her voice and she's like, I just couldn't stay away because uh, Michael Caine told her, 
hey, I know he's walking, but in order to keep him walking, you have to stay away from him because he's still very fragile. He's playing a therapist, so he can say whatever he wants and everyone will believe him. But she runs back and she's like, I just couldn't stay away. I just couldn't. I'm so sorry. And then she's like, he, she's like, oh, I, I'm a virgin or whatever. So can you turn off the lights and close the blinds? And then we cut to Michael Caine swimming in his pool. Michael Caine in a bathing suit doesn't weird me out. <laughs> it's, right? It's, yeah. But he's also, it, yeah, I think if it was Steve Martin in the pool, it would be fine. It's that's the true. particular way it's on the beach that stinks in the other part. So um, the police commissioner calls Michael Caine and is like, hey, Janet Colgate went back to the hotel and she's with Steve Martin because he never left the hotel. And Michael Caine's like, well, f-, f my life, right? So I guess Steve Martin's going to come back to brag that he boned Janet Colgate. Um, and cut to Janet Colgate running in in tears because he stole all her money. So did you have a theory at this point in the movie? I read Wikipedia. Okay. Because when she came in here, I was like, oh, this is a con with Steve Martin. He's gotten her in on the thing. He's going to basically have been like, look, I this is false pretenses. I actually have feelings for you. Here's how we can get a bunch of money out of Michael Caine. And then they like are working together, which is what I thought this was. Because Michael cool. Caine... Yeah, because Michael Caine immediately is like, oh, my God, here's $50,000. I'm so sorry this happened to you. Like, you don't deserve this. Let's go. I'm taking you to the airport right now. Um, so they, they go to the airport, and he's she's got a bag full of cash and is like, I can't take this. You have to take it. I can't take this. She, like, gets on the plane, runs back out, hands him the bag, and is like, this doesn't belong to me. I can't take it. And then she gets on the plane. Ta- you've given me something so much better. Yes. And runs away. Yes. Uh, at which point I was like, assuredly, this is not $50,000 in this bag. Um, but exactly. then a cop car pulls up with Steve Martin in a bathrobe and handcuffs. And he's like running after the plane, like, don't let her get away. She has my stuff. And Michael Caine's like, what? She just gave me back $50,000. And Steve Martin's like, I bet you she didn't, buddy. And they open the briefcase and it's got Steve Martin's clothes in it. Right. And beautiful stationery from the Jackal. That's like, it's been fun, boys. XOXO, the jackal. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I stole $50,000 from you. No, it's P.S. I'm keeping the 50000 Is that bad? Yeah. And I was like, fuck yeah, roll credits. This movie yeah. is about how women are stronger than you. Yeah. Or, I mean, yes, no quibble with that, but even just like, it's the logical ending of the movie. So here's my theory. In test screenings, people saw this and were like, Wait, they lose at the end? To a girl? Yeah. That is my absolute feeling on I have no proof of this. I did no research, but I have like it feels like this extra bit came after. Yeah, I believe that. Um because it cuts to a week later and Steve Martin's like, Well, I'm gonna head out. Thanks for letting me stay a week to like get my stuff together. There's a crazy line in this section that I have to point out here because I think we've talked about this on the show before. Go and that me. is you put your DVDs in a DVD player. You put your Blu-rays in a Blu-ray player. But when you had VHS tapes, you put them in a VCR or I guess a VCP if you had a VCR that didn't do recording, a video cassette player. I've never ever in anything I've ever watched, and I've looked this up before because it's confusing to me, seen something from the 80s or 90s that calls it a VHS player. And that's what Steve Martin calls it in this movie. 
Oh, I didn't even catch that. That's crazy. And, and it's only because I have a weird brain. And that's like I've had this conversation with people before of like in the modern era, people call it a VHS player because it's like we've replaced it as a product. Yeah. And so you're using the same naming convention as we do for a thing that we actually use. But the Steve Martin is like, I broke your VHS player. I'm going to mail you a check for it. And the guy's like, you're a con man. No, you're not. But I was like, oh, my God, VHS player. It's in this movie. It is. Um, but then a big old boat full of people show up at Michael Caine's house. And Janet Colgate is le- in, looking fabulous, is leading the way, talking like the nanny. Yes. And being like, this man wanted to buy some real estate in Australia. And I knew we had to go to Australia's number one son. Uh, the man she introduces is Pete from the Muppet Steak Manhattan. Peoples is peoples. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> it's it's. I wonder if he and Frank Oz just like hit it off or something. Oh, I bet. Um, and she's like, "Well, you're gonna say something or what?" And Michael Caine, within two seconds, goes into an Australian accent and like is all on board for this con. Yep, yep, yep. But like, she doesn't need these yahoos. So I actually, I mean, you're not wrong, but I actually felt differently. I thought like the, so the three of them are like, all right, let's get our con on. And they like link arms and they go together. I feel like that's a much more interesting movie than the one we just watched. Like if it's the three of them, yeah, the three of them pulling a con on these people is way more interesting to me than, than something else. Yeah. Or even if it was the three of them trying to con each other, not realizing all the others are con people. Yeah, and you get into, like, a French farce with it. I think that could be really yeah. fun. Yeah. Like, to me, that's more fun of, like, oh, I found my mark. I'm going to be sexy to this man. And, like, they're, like, I don't know. To me, that seems better. I, I agree. I think that would also be interesting. But I, I think I would really enjoy a movie where it's, like, there's a boat full of people they're trying to separate from their money, and it's the three of them on this palatial estate. Like, I think it's a, it's a much more entertaining movie than Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is. I agree. But also, I don't think she needs them. Especially I mean, yeah, not no. Steve Martin. Like, Steve Martin's uh, objectively not good at being a con man. He never gets yeah. good at being a con man. He, he's definitely not to the level of either of the two of them. He's, like, the low-level guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm totally with you. I I, I didn't you I think you li- I think you had more strong dislike of this. I mean, I guess would you recommend it is what we're getting into here now. Um I think you dislike this in a more strong way than I did. Yeah, I I don't hate it. I just to me it felt like it never quite dipped all the way into the comedy that I wanted and it never quite delivered on the shtick in a way that felt earned. So it just kind of it fell in the weird middle, and it, it, it's plotting at times. And when it, you're either super engaged or super detached from this movie. Yeah, I agree. It's one that badly needs to lose 20 minutes, and I don't know if that's just because it's 2018, 30 years later, and that just movie pacing is different now. But this was a really draggy hour and 50 minutes to me today. Uh, watching it, it really today. was. Yeah. And it, it stinks because there's really like, I think there's a really bang up 98 minute movie in this hour and 50 minute movie. I think like, I think there's a real, I think the, I don't think it's like, Oh, you have to add some stuff and change some things. Certainly you could do all that. But I think if you just took this movie and took 20 minutes out of it, you'd have a better movie. I agree. It's more engaging. It just Take has a lot air. of, yeah, it, exactly. There's just too much, 
meh. And not enough of the stuff that's work. The stuff that, it, that works really well is when Michael Caine and Steve Martin are going head to head. And then later when uh, Glenna Headley and the two of them are going head to head, like all that stuff is great. And there's just too much other crap. Like, yeah. honestly, the police commissioner thing kind of goes nowhere. Like he's in this movie a lot and there's no it's not like the movie ends like another interesting ending to this movie is like I'm the vulture. And also, by the way, I called the French equivalent of the FBI on the corrupt police guy that helps you out and you're all going down like that also is interesting. Why couldn't that be <laughs> Of like Steve, like they pull up and then the sirens pull up and they're like, oh, no, we're already here. And they're like, no, actually, we're the FBI and we have gotten word that all of you are going to jail is also like fine to me as an ending. Oh, I'm here for that. So, yeah, I don't I don't hate this, uh, but I certainly think there's better ways to watch room for improvement. I, genuinely, I think if you're looking for like 80s Michael Caine, you might be better off with Jaws 4 because it's hilariously so. ridiculous. Like, Jaws 4 is great for that. Hoagie, Hoagie Carmichael is at least over-the-top insane. His name is Hoagie Carmichael. <laughs> like, yes, come ex- on. exactly. And you guys all know how much I don't remember character names for shit, and I can tell you that his name is Hoagie Carmichael in that movie, which says something, I think. Um, so yeah, kind of a middle-of-the-road one on this one, unfortunately, but uh, yeah. some some, glim- some some glimpses of, of, of greatness. Uh, if you can find a, a, the scene of Steve uh, Martin learning how to lean on a pole and watch Michael Caine lean on a pole, I highly recommend that 10 seconds of your life. I agree. Uh, this one. is on Hulu and Prime, uh, at least now. I don't know if it's going to continue to be there in June when this goes out, probably, but I'm not sure. Um, but you should be able to check it there if you're looking to see it. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, once again, welcome to all the new listeners. We've gotten a big influx. Welcome. Yeah, we're so glad to have you here. Uh, if you want to get a little more involved with the show, we have a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash dissecting80s. We have a Twitter. It's at dissecting80s. No ing there. Uh, you can email us at dissecting80s at gmail.com. Got a fun email from a listener in Australia recently, which was really cool. Thanks for, thanks for chiming in. We love to hear from people. Um, a lot of reaction to the Muppets episode. People... People wanting to come and talk to us about, you know, their feelings about the Muppets. So that really? happened a little bit. Yeah, some people chimed in on Facebook with their suggestions for the first thing to show somebody. Some votes for Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, another person brought up another Muppet Christmas thing, which could be a future Christmas episode down the road, which is a TV special where it's the Fraggles, the Muppets, and Sesame Street all in one thing, which I've seen before and is pretty fun. Oh. Uh, so potential Christmas episode maybe in the future. Um Trying to spread out the Muppet love since there's only so much of it we're we're able to do. I on have the a show. friend who's very into Fraggles in a very big way, mm. and I didn't know that until like we were. It was the same situation as I've tried talked about with mom asking who plays Agent Ninety Nine and Get Smart, and me yeah. not knowing she was talking to me ignored her. But my friend was like, "Oh my God, look at that name of a Fraggle," and I was like, "The what?" And we're in a GameStop, and he was like, "It's so and so, the Fraggle," and I was like. Oh, the red fraggle? And he was like, yeah, so-and-so. And I was like, you aggressively know too much about the fraggles. <laughs> I feel like I watched some fraggles, <laughs> he was like, but what, I have... You're not up on your fraggles knowledge? I have no fraggles knowledge. I feel like I watched some of them, but I got nothing. Don't they um, die in the end or something? I, I gen- No idea. That seems dark for a children's program, but... I agree, but... Anyway, uh, so that's uh, please get a hold of us if you'd like to. We always love hearing from listeners out there. We really appreciate uh, people chiming in. You can also give us a call at 856-D-I-S-S-E-C-T if you want to leave us a message. This is our 99th episode. 
ladies and gentlemen. It's crazy. 99 episodes. So I uh, really like it's sort of hard to fathom that we're still doing this. A hundred episodes later. Yeah, yeah. That's four years we've been doing this. And uh, so many more people listen to the show now than when we started doing it. So thank you. Uh, Our next thing coming your way, we're going to put two things in your feed on the same day. So we'll have our hundredth episode for you, which we'll announce here in just a second. And we're also going to announce something really, really huge on that other thing. We're going to do sort of a... uh, clip show sort of thing with a little in celebration of a hundred episodes. It will probably also serve as our anniversary celebration this year, since it's kind of fart sniffy to do two things, celebrating yourself like four episodes yeah. apart. Uh, and this a sampler platter. Yeah. So we're going to have a new sampler platter, but we're also going to have a really, really big announcement about the future of the show, which we hope you will be as excited for as we are um, trying something big here. And we hope that you'll come along for the ride with us for, for that new big uh, announcement. Uh, just to head it off at the pass, it is not that we're going to be moving to weekly, although we would love to do that. It is not feasible right now, but maybe one day. It, uh, just yeah, just tell you it's not that. So you're not sitting there like, oh my gosh, it's, it's not that. But it's a cool, big, exciting uh, thing for our show. And we're really excited to uh, take a step with y'all. We hope that you'll do it with us. So thank you so much for listening to the show. We will be back on July 2nd with our 100th episode of Dissecting Me. 100. Three digits. Get on your feet. <laughs> yes, we'll be back July 2nd with our 100th episode on The Goonies. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until July 2nd. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.